All right, so I'm in uh, Genesis 32. I'm doing the six-month, the Bible in six months started it a few days ago. So Genesis 32, I just got done with uh, Jacob wrestling with God all night and uh, getting his name changed and getting his body changed. So what, where are you at? Somebody... Hebrews, all right. Brother Zane's favorite coffee. <laughs> Where are you at in your Bible reading? Ephesians. Ephesians, all right. What's that? Matthew. Yep. Who else? Jonah? Is that what you say, Jonah? All right. Is that what he said? All right. Hey, I like it. I'll take it. Second Kings and Chronicles. Very good. One more. One more. Tell us where you're at in your Bible reading. One more. In the book of Joseph. Yep. All right. All right. Let's uh, turn in our Bibles to, um, well, let's just end up, you're going to end up in Acts. We're going to be a lot in Acts. So just go to Acts because the, I, I'm not going to, there's one I'm not going to cover. I kind of covered it the other day. Um, about circumcision equaling baptism. Again, problem because only males were circumcised. I mean, there's a lot of mixed up uh, connection there. And if you're going to look at circumcision in the New Testament, it's more of a connection with salvation, not baptism. Uh, and so, but we're not, we're not going to dig into that. That's kind of an obscure, not many people follow that realm. But one of the things that uh, many people do use to support infant baptism is what Acts calls, or loosely calls, household baptisms, okay? Household baptisms. Now, I'm not saying Acts literally calls it that. I'm just saying that's what the household is the word it uses. And so we're going to look at some of those things. So, for instance, when Cornelius, so Peter goes and preaches to Cornelius. Cornelius has his own household, plus other people have come in, and Cornelius and his household are baptized, uh, Lydia, the Bible says Lydia and her household are believe, believers and that get baptized. One that my, most people might think is the Philippian jailer, and we're going to look at some of these. The Philippian jailer, remember him? Him and his household were believers and baptized. Okay, and then a man by the name of Crispus, and then there's another one in Stephanus in 1 Corinthians 1. And people use these because they say, well, see, the whole household. The whole household got, got saved. So everybody there got saved, and um, it was, you know, they all were able to get baptized. There's a couple of simple logic problems with that. Is nowhere does any of those passages say that those households included infants. Uh, now, the opposite side of that coin, if we're going to use logic, is also nowhere does it say they did not include infants. Okay? But we're going to look at a lot of those passages themselves and see if the passages give us some, some clues as to what, uh, what that household might have been. Okay, So first we're going to go to Acts chapter 10. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 10. We're going to look at the story of Cornelius. And uh, the interesting thing about the word household is it's not necessarily a, an equal sign to family, okay? Household does not always equal family. Um, for instance, uh, 
there was a time when my, my dad was starting a business and my mom was helping him. Uh, and we, they were working extremely long hours. And there was a, a, a single lady who needed a place to live and we had a pretty big house. And basically they, they said, okay, you can live here. You do the cleaning of the house and maybe a meal every once in a while and that'll be fair trade. And she became part of our household. Okay? Um, for instance, even in those days, if they had a servant, that servant was part of their household. Household actually can include things like property, which if you're going to get back far enough, uh, slaves were considered property. So the word household is not necessarily limited to, it means family, but it's not limited to family. It can mean much more including property. So that's one of the interesting things to start. But let's go ahead and look here at Acts chapter 10, okay? So the, the, the verse in question would be down around verse 23, 24, okay? So this is after Peter's been approached by the Lord. He's seen the, the, the sheet come down uh, three or four times saying, uh, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, I, you know, I can't, uh, I can't kill anything that's unclean. And what the Lord says, what I call clean, don't you call unclean, okay? And verse 23, and he and he then called he, Peter called some visitors in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after they entered Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. So kinsmen is family and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet. And <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> that came out of nowhere and worshiped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked to them, he went in and found many that were come together. Okay? So, uh, Cornelius, uh, he preaches there. He preaches to Cornelius. Uh, get down to uh, verse 34. Okay? He says, Then Peter opened his mouth and saith of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Okay? And if we go, let's see, we get a little further down here. Verse 44, and while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, okay? And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, so the visitors with him from Judea, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, and they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter, can any forbid water that these, who is it, the kinsmen there of Cornelius and his friends, should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they prayed them tarry certain days. Okay? So the, the connection here is, is that the household all got baptized because everybody was there were his kinsmen and friends. So there's, a, there's a, the idea there that his kinsmen, his family was there. And of course, uh, you, you know, certainly there could have been a, a baby present, as would have been very common, more common in those days than, there, than it is today, many more children. But in the passage, we actually have some clues about what it means, literally, who got baptized, and what that household means. So first, if you will, let's go to verse 44. This is the first clue. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. You understand, understand that means they, they didn't just hear sounds that they didn't understand, that they heard and understood God's word. You understand that? That he preached, they understood and heard it, okay? How can an, can an infant 
who does not understand intelligible language yet, hear like these people heard? No, an infant cannot do that. Okay, go down to verse 46. Okay, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter. So how would an infant know that they spoke with tongues, number one, and how would an infant know that they magnified God? They can't. Okay, so again, we, we have a very limitation. We have people who have, number one, they had to hear what Peter preached. Number two, they had to be able to, they, they, were, they heard uh, them, or they were able to speak. Okay, rather, they were able to speak. I got that word. They heard them speak. Though the people who are, heard the preaching are speaking with tongues and magnifying God. An infant can't do either one of those. Okay, and then if we were to go to uh, chapter 11, okay, we hear the retelling of the story, chapter 11. Uh, let's see here. Verse, Peter's retelling the story to, 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 the, to the main church. Verse 16, Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the light gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Okay, so here's another, here's another thought. So number one, they're able to hear. Number two, they're able to speak and magnify God. Number three, they were able to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, now, I was pretty young. I got saved pretty young. I was saved at five, uh, and I, I know that for a fact. I have memories all the way back to when I was two, but I never understood. I don't have memories from when I was like, you know, six months. Some of you, um, there are some people that have vague pictures of I mean, that's astounding to me. At least maybe they have vague pictures or maybe they created vague pictures for what they thought from when they were a baby. But how can an infant believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? How can an infant believe? And that's a, that's a pretty major deal here. So in the household of Cornelius, we have to take that one and set aside because we have some prerequisites. They have to be able to hear. They have to be able to hear the word of God. They have to be able to speak and magnify God. And they have to be able to believe. So this one's kind of out the window. Okay, so let's go down to talk about Lydia. This is back in Acts 16. We're going to be in Acts 16 for a couple, uh, a couple of these. Lydia. So Acts 16. <clears throat> okay, so let's go down to verse, uh, let's go to verse 13, probably give us enough background. And on the Sabbath, we went out, went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. That's where people went there to make a habit of praying. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, so she's a businesswoman, of the city of Thyatira, so she's a businesswoman who's not here. I think this is Philippi. Yes, uh, verse 12 says Philippi. So she's from another town. She's come here to sell purple. Which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, so there we go again, we have that connection, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Um, now, let's see if we can go down to... Verse, go down in there to uh, verse 40, okay? Verse 40, we're still talking about Lydia. So they, they were in prison for a bit, and when they went out of, prison, out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia, 
And when they had seen the brethren in the house of Lydia, okay, they comforted them and departed. Now, so we've got, we've got a commercial traveler named Lydia. She's at least 300 miles, according to this, this guy, probably close, 300 miles from her home in Thyatira. Okay, the thought is her household is that, you know, maybe she had a husband and she'd probably have a husband and some kids. So certainly her house, the problem is, is we don't even know she had a husband. And honestly, there's a good possibility that uh, in the day and age uh, and in her, her particular profession, she, was, she could have easily just been single, okay? But wealthy single, therefore she has a, a retinue. Does anybody know what a retinue is? She has many people that help take care of her, help her run the business, help take care of the things at the house, pay the bills, make sure her clothes are ready in the morning, okay? Now, I don't know, uh, you know, we don't think about things like that as much, but so she probably had people with her. Now, she may have had family, we don't know. But it only references her and her household. But literally, household could apply to a large group of servants. That's what that word could. But here again, here's, here's the problem. In any case, her household had to consist of people who were capable of praying. Right? Because what were they doing at the river? They were praying. Okay? Um, and afterwards, Paul went to her house and he ministered to the brethren who were of the house of Lydia. Okay, how, does, how can a baby be ministered to spiritually? Now, I understand that there's, there are, um, when all my kids were in the womb, I would place the guitar up against Dana's belly and I would play my guitar and, uh, you know, the hope that that would help stimulate growth and, you know, music and math growth in their brain and um, hopefully that worked. I'm not sure how well it worked on the math part, but oh well. Does everybody else have fun with that too? You know, and not saying that, that maybe infants aren't affected by some of that, but again, there has to be a conscious decision to believe and to become brethren, and we've got a problem again. And not only that, how can an infant be comforted, if they are a believer, in their new faith? I mean, you, you see, do you see where we're going with this? I mean, after a while, it, it starts looking a little bit like, eh, okay. So while you're in Matthew, uh, Philip, uh, Acts 16, I can talk. I've got this together. Acts 16, the little prison time that they were in, you all might remember that. Verse 25 is, of course, one of the main spots. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. In other words, his life would have been taken anyway because the prisoners had gone. No matter the earthquake, if the prisoners escaped, he'd be held responsible and he would have been executed. So he just said, just going to take care of this myself and, and save myself the trouble. Probably helps his family honor later in life as well. He's thinking this, verse 28. Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. Again, so this is one of those passages where they say, See, 
I mean, we got a guy, all his house, it's, I mean, who knows how old the jailer is. He probably was still in the realm of a warrior age, so he could have very well have kids at home, possibly had infants still. So certainly, all his house includes everybody in the house. They just all got baptized and passed on to all of them. But again, here, here we go. We got a couple, of, a couple of defining things, okay? Look at verse 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house. What does that mean? They have to be able to understand what's being spoken. They're preaching the, they're preaching the book. They're preaching the Bible. They're preaching the story of Jesus. I can, I, can, I can preach to all my kids when they were babies till I'm blue in the face. Do you think I'm going to get an amen? <laughs> it ain't happening. Okay? The, the, the babies don't get it. Now, uh, you know, it's gonna, we'll talk about age of accountability maybe here in just a minute, but not here. So Paul was able to speak to them, that were, to all that were concerned, okay? And verse 34, this is kind of a big one. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. So they had to be believers first. Again, an infant, a, young, a, a baby, d- does not have the cognizant, um, awareness to be a believer. I mean, this is this is just standard logic. If you can't even, if you can't put that together, then how come how come you don't bother uh, trying to um, you know reason with your babies? Now, if you just quit crying, quit crying. There we go. Just went back into baby talk. If you just quit crying, mom will have dinner ready in just a little bit because they're going to listen to that, right? Just, you know, it's okay, everything's fine, quit crying. What are you crying for? Your diaper's a little dirty, big deal. They're just going to stop because you reasoned with them, right? So if they don't understand basic things like that, how in the world are they going to understand the idea of salvation and Christ on the cross and they're a sinner? Now, I know I might be, I might be preaching to the choir here, but we, we do need to look at these passages because there's a large number of people who believe in infant baptism and they believe it has salvation attached to it. And we have to connect the dots. When we talk to people, we have to talk, take them logically to these passages and say, how can a baby be a believer? Well, it's the baptism. Yeah, but you have to be a believer before you get baptized. How can that ha- make, make people think? Amen. It's not a bad thing. It's good for us to think, and it's good for us to be made thought and just made to think as well as others. Um, we could just turn a few pages to 18.8. This is real quick. Uh, this couple of quick ones here. Crispus is the chief ruler of the synagogue. Okay, Again, we have the same thing. Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, 18.8, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Okay, And the, the assumption there is that all his house also got baptized. But again, all his house first had to believe. They had to believe. Again, so every time we have this, we have this problem of uh, an intelligent understanding that produces belief, okay? And, and while I love infants, they're not capable of that, okay? Um, amen. All right. There's an interesting one in 1 Corinthians 16, so let's, let's go there. 1 Corinthians 16. Oof, it's getting hot up here. And that's with the air on today. Anybody notice it's hotter than the thermometer says it is today? It's yes, definitely. Okay. 
1 Corinthians 16. Look at, look at verse, uh, let's go to verse 15. Oh yeah, that is the verse. I was looking at, the, that's the one we need. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Okay, interesting there, 1 Corinthians 16, 15. The first fruits of Achaia, the house of Stephanus. Another one of the verses that is used as a support for infant baptism because Stephanus' house all got all were became believers and, and became uh, baptized. Okay, but we have a couple more problems here. Number one, uh, it says they addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Anybody ever met a baby that just you know come church time? They're fussing at you about going to church. Maybe fussing at you about not going to church. Why is it every Sunday morning you have like at least two outfits ready? I remember that. We always had to have two outfits ready because, you know, the one's going to get puked on or pooped in or something, and you're going to have to put another one on them, you know, and then you've got to keep a spare. In the, I remember all that. Yeah, they're really addicting themselves. No, these are, this is a household that has to understand what ministry is and choose to addict themselves to it. And then, besides that, they also, basically, in this passage, we're talking about someone who submit themselves to be a co-labor with Paul, a co-laborer with Paul. Can an infant logically do that? No. I mean, there, there's, there's just too much, um, too much connection here. Uh, and, and the reason I, so let's just use some logic. If, if in all got saved includes children, then all also have to, uh, has to apply to addicted to the ministry. You, you connect, you see what I'm saying? And babies we know can't be, can't be addicted to the ministry. So, all right, so now we go down to another one, okay? So that was the, the household baptism argument, and this is the last one. It's called the little children argument. Suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And now we're getting into that, the, the wishy-washy area, okay? The, the area where the word children can cover barely out of infanthood to uh, actually fairly olds in some cases, that word can, but it generally applies to young ones, younglings, littler ones, all the way down possibly to just barely past infant stage. So Matthew 18, turn to Matthew chapter 18. And th- these verses are, are made much of. And I, there's one thing as we're reading through these passages, I want you to notice one thing that is not mentioned in the passages, Okay. I just want you to think about what's not mentioned as we read through some of these. So Matthew 18, we're going to look at all, I think, all three of the same story here. So Matthew 18, look at verse 1. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which shall believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Now turn to Mark. Turn to Mark chapter 10. 
verse 13. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Now turn over to the book of Luke. Luke in chapter 18. Luke 18, go down to verse, we're going to read verses 15 through 17, 15 through 17. And they brought unto him also infants, that he would touch them, but when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Now, did anybody notice one thing that was obviously missing from all those passages? What are we talking about? Right. Did you see that in any of those passages? No, it's not once mentioned. It's not the topic. Uh, it's not even, I mean, it's not the topic of the passages. It's not mentioned in the passages. But the, these verses are made much of by those who would baptize infants. Okay? Now, we got a couple of problems. So in Matthew 18, we have, we have a problem in that passage because Jesus called them unto him. Can an infant respond to that? An infant. No. Okay? Now, follow me through with this, all right? Um, in Matthew 18, 6, we want to look at that one. Evidently, they're capable, again, of believing. Believing. Okay? And, so, and uh, there's a big one here, and it's, he's describing, he uses the word as in all of these. Okay? He uses the word as. Who shall not believe as a little child? He's not saying, he's not saying like these little children believe, okay, like they're believing me. He's using it as an illustration. Do, do, do little ones, do, little, do small children typically kind of, you know, they follow what you're saying. Like you can lead them along and feed them a line of bologna and they'll believe it. You could tell them that on the end there's, a, there's another country about 500 miles away, totally different country, where all the people are green and the sky is purple and they'll go, really? Okay. The idea being that they, they hear they hear and they trust and they receive what's being said. They trust the people that are telling them. And that's how Jesus says we're supposed to believe him. If he tells us that there's another planet where the people are green and the sky is purple, we say, yes, sir. <laughs> he doesn't say that, though, does he? Is everybody here? Okay. We, so they could believe. They could be called. And again, no, no mention of baptism at all. Now, so it brings up the question, because we have this realm of age here, and I know we've talked about this before, I've preached a message on it, um, but so what is the age of accountability? What is the age? If anybody ever gives you an age, a year old, I'm just telling you that's wrong, that's nowhere in the Bible. There's nowhere that says this is the age of accountability. It's not in Scripture. You can't extrapolate it from one of the words, uh, you, you, can't, you can't take a certain group that's being said. 
The understanding again is here, and I think we've made it quite clear. It has to be someone who is capable of belief. Okay? Belief. They understand who Jesus is, God, in the flesh. They understand what Jesus did. He paid for our sins. They understand who they are, a sinner. Okay? Now, we would think normally the little kids would be first one to admit that. Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Okay? So there's a, there's a logic process that has to, be, has to be a part of that. They have to be able to understand all those things. So what is the age of accountability? Well, it might be different for every kid. It's, it's why I'm very, very careful about, about telling parents, when your kids begin to ask questions, don't get scared they're going to go to hell and start leading them through prayers real fast. Because they're going to go, oh, I'm saved, it's all good. Okay. No, make sure they understand. Answer questions, answer questions, answer questions, answer questions until you feel like you want to go nuts because you think, I just, I just want them to get saved. And you do, you're a parent, you love them and you're fearful and you don't want them to, you don't want them to, something to happen and they'll go to hell or they'll skip past something and miss it. And, you know, and sometimes we focus on that so much that we forget the whole purpose of salvation is not not going to hell. You connect the dots. The whole purpose of salvation is having our sins forgiven by Jesus Christ. Amen. So it, that's the whole purpose. So it's answer those questions believe, help the, so they can see it, and then they have to choose to believe it. It's a choice. I'm telling you again, I, Dakota, he knew all the facts. He knew Jesus was God. He knew he died on the cross. He knew he paid for sins. He knew he was a sinner and needed to accept that. knew he needed to believe it. Knowing the facts wasn't the problem. So we have to be careful even when we talk to people at a door about, well, you know all the facts, just say this prayer and you're good to go. No, there has to be repentance and belief in the heart as a result of that. There has to be a desire to say, yes, I am a sinner, I, I, and a longing to look to God alone as that possible. It doesn't always show up emotionally. So what is the age of accountability? I don't know. For me, it was five. For, my, for one of my daughters, it was, I think, 13. For the other one, probably eight. You know, I'm, you know what I'm saying? For everyone, it can be a little different. When, do, when does that child grasp the concept and is ready to yield to what God has taught? So, and I think you all know this. I'm going to tell you the story. I'll encourage you to go read it. Until a child comes to the age of accountability, they are as safe as if they're in Jesus' arms. How do I know that? Because of David's words. Remember David, the story of David and Bathsheba? Bathsheba gets pregnant, and then God judges, okay? And David starts a fast. He begins to fast and weep trying to, because he wants that baby to be saved, but God's already said, no, it's not going to happen. And this is in 2 Samuel chapter 12, okay? It says that the baby died, and no one wanted to tell David because he was already in this horrible spirit. I mean, he wasn't eaten, and he was in some sort of a worship area on his knees, and he was just... I mean, it seemed like the servant's like, oh, he's just going to fall apart if we tell him. And he kind of figured it out, like, is the baby gone? Baby's gone. And he gets up and he cleans himself up and he grabs some food and he starts, and they're all like, what? What is this? Why were you all torn up? Now the baby's actually dead and now you're like eating and acting like everything's all right? And David's words were, he says, he says, he cannot come back to me, but I can go to him. David knew where he's going. David's going to heaven. In other words, David has a a promise in his heart of seeing his infant baby again in heaven. And I'm just telling you, that may only be a story, but David said it with such confidence and was never contradicted. It was never contradicted in the Bible, or Nathan sent 
or Prophet Nathan or Gad sent to tell him he was wrong. And so we, we look to that with hope. Um, not only that, I mean, you think about God sends, if you, you start studying angels, we all talk about our guardian angel. Guardian angels are primarily for children. If you, you read the scripture and, talk, and find out about how they're, what those guardian angels are done, it's the little ones. Guardian angels are sent for those little ones. And I kind of have to partially think that's some of the little ones that, that they're watching over. So the age of accountability is when they're able to reason and logic and connect the dots and are able to believe. So that might be different for everyone. And yes, I wholeheartedly believe. Um, uh, Dane and I have a little one in heaven. No, no question. I have a little sister I can't wait to meet in heaven. Um, I, I just I believe it forever. I, I believe every... Every baby who was a viable baby that was aborted is going to be in heaven. No question about that. No question about that. God is a good God. It's, a, it's an outstanding, un, unbelievable thing. That's, it's just crazy. So when we start talking about infant baptism, we have to understand again, where did that come from? If, if you remember, we look back at history. If you're wanting to build your church and you need it to grow really big and you want to make sure everybody's safe, the simplest way to do it is, Make sure everybody's a part of your church when they're an itty-bitty baby. That, again, you remember I talk about knocking on doors? Knock on doors. Here in the United States, at least, according, you know, this, this kind of thing has happened. I'm sure other countries have another version of it. But, and I'll say, so, you know, if you died today, do you know for 100% for sure to go to heaven? Oh, well, I was baptized, you know, when I was eight at the Lutheran church. Or I was confirmed when I was like two, you know, or whatever. I, we still have my dad's, my dad grew up Lutheran, and we still have my dad's little bitty confirmation gown he had to wear. It's like this big. And he had to wear it for his Lutheran confirmation, which, which now listen, this is Lutheran. This is the Missouri Synod, the, the most uh, conservative Lutheran synod that there is, that you can actually hear the, the gospel basically saying, well, he's okay. He was covered at two. And here's the gospel saying, but you have to believe. You have to believe. There must be belief. So beware. When people start talking about that, trusting in that. So, and it's good to remember also that don't just call them idiots. Oh, I can't believe you would think. Don't, aren't you smart enough to see through that? Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Those people have, okay, so if somebody walked up to you and said, you're Baptist? What are you, an idiot? Seriously, would your hackles raise and your defenses come up and your little, your little arms come up to, ready to punch it out? Listen, do you think other people don't think that way? We have to be very cautious and careful, honest. We must have truth, but the Bible says truth in love. Truth in love. So you have to start. Do you believe the Bible? Yes. Do you believe God's word is in the Bible? Yes, that's a great place to start. Can, can, would you mind if we looked at a few passages together about baptism? Maybe about child baptism? That you hear what I'm saying? And then you've got an opportunity to say, here it says this group believed. D- did you believe before you were baptized? Here it says they believed. Did, did you believe before you were baptized? Here it says they heard the word of God. Did, did you hear the word of God? And you, you don't say it, did you hear the word of God? Did, were you a believer? No. Listen, walk them through it kind, kindly, carefully, cautiously. Amen. And let God do a work on their heart. Your sarcasm and superior know-it-all is not going to work, okay? Well, I sh- 
God does use some amazing things, even from Christians who are just blundering through their ability to do things. So whatever I'm saying, go out and witness and make mistakes. Everybody's, I think everybody's absolutely scared to give the gospel because they're afraid they're going to make a mistake. What, did the Holy Spirit stop working on people somewhere in the last 50 years? Did the Holy Spirit stop making up for our mistakes in the last 50 years? Uh, hello? I, I, my, one of my favorite stories <laughs> was uh, I knew a preacher that led a gang leader to the Lord. This gang leader is huge, like one of those six foot six, I mean, like, you know, the, all the tattoos and the beard and bald and the, you know, the, all the spiky stuff, you know, big honking dude, you know. And he led him to the Lord, and the guy just became a, a, an amazing disciple, just got baptized, got on fire for the Lord, showed up at everything. And, uh, and he, he said, Preacher, what's this outreach thing you, you keep talking about? He said, well, it's on Saturday. We do it on Saturday. We go out and we knock on doors. And, and he said, oh. He said, well, could, can I come to do that too? He's like, I want to do something else. Said, sure. And he said, so they went to knock on a door, and it was, it was one of the guys that he had kind of grown up with. Like, he knew this guy. And he sat real quiet, you know, because he'd been told, you know, just you know, stay quiet and pray. And he said the, the preacher began to share with him the gospel and began to tell him all about this. And, and uh, something got distracted and he, he turned away, to, the preacher turned away to talk to someone else for a little bit, and he turned back around, and this big guy had the, the, guy, the other fellow by the scruff of the neck saying, what that preacher says is true, and you need to obey it and, and pray right now. And, and, and he's going, no, no, no. And, and the, guy, the guy that's like this, he looked up at the preacher and said, no, he's right. I need to pray right now. So listen, if God can use a guy that doesn't hardly know anything, who's doing it in the wrong way, but to speak to the heart, listen, that doesn't mean you've got to run out and start grabbing people by the scruff of the neck. But do the best you can with what you got. You are to be a witness. Tell people and have faith. Notice how I put this up here? Because it's how most of us believe witnessing works. Well, I've got to have faith. No, you really actually have to have faith. Is the Holy Spirit capable or not? Amen. So you do your best, and you trust God to do his best. I wonder who will do better. Amen. Is the Holy Spirit capable of taking our inabilities and turning them into his uh, capabilities? He's good at it. Amen. So anyway, so we're talking about this infant baptism. That literally is. That's the end of the the infant baptism part. I'm not going to go any further. We're going to move next to the mode of baptism, which I know everybody here knows because we got a big Duncan tank up there, but we're going to talk about other people and what they believe there also. So, praise the Lord. I, I mean, I am glad that God did not... I'm glad that God chose to reason with us. Does that make sense? I was trying to think of how to say that. He chose to reason with us. And He speaks to our hearts in reason, in truth, in he does it with the power of the Holy Spirit, so it really sticks. It's just amazing how it sticks. But he doesn't just say, you're all going to be saved. You know, this, it's fine. Those who are going to be saved is going to be saved. The rest of you, while you're living your life, sorry, you're going to hell. See ya. You know, that's not how God works. It's, it's extended to all. All can believe, but there must be belief. And thank the Lord, even a child, if they understand it, if they understand it, they grasp the concept of what salvation is, they can believe it. They can believe it, and they can be saved. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm, God is a good and patient and loving God. Oh, and another thing we found out is that kids that get saved, or people in church that get saved, uh, I think it's below the age of 15, are like 75% more likely to stay in church the rest of their lives. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? I think the age is 15. I, don't, I might be off on that, but that, that's astounding. That's astounding. Who here, who here was saved um, under the age of 18? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of us. Eight. Okay. So that's a pretty good number. This crew right here saved under the age of 18. Okay. Who's, who's here saved under the age of uh, 30? I count out you that were saved under 18. So one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, who's here saved between 30 and 50? One, two. Who's here saved between the ages of 50 and 100? One. Did you see how the numbers went? You hear that? That's why, it's, that's why our Sunday school teachers need to be praying for them. Our junior church workers need to be praying for them. Amen. We need to be praying for families in the church. Praise the Lord. Uh, Got lots of people get saved of all ages, but somehow kids, it's something what kids do. Amen. All right, let's all stand.